So we're going to start with our uh, gospel reading, which is Matthew 12, 33 to 37. Make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for the for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you'll be acquitted, and by your words you'll be condemned. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll invite Louise to give us our... Uh, main reading that Trevor will be preaching on, which is James 3, 1 to 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, We can turn the whole animal, or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the pairs of the body. It corrupts the whole body sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed, but have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing, My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So that's James with his uh, uh, characteristic, sort of very straight-talking uh, approach, and uh, Trevor's going to come and um, open those scriptures up for us. Thanks, Trevor. Good morning, everyone. It's not coffee, it's water. I did something... something very embarrassing once at a church. It was quite some years ago, and um, I'll tell you a little bit about it, but I won't use proper the people's names or the person and so on, just to protect the innocent. I was at a church uh, where I was the leader, the pastor, the priest, and we'd come to the end of the Sunday morning service, Uh, And as usual, we walked out, uh, myself and the people who helped in front here, walked out to the door 
to greet everyone coming out and, and I try my very best to be positive and put a smile on my face, say something nice, say something good and uplifting and so on. And I saw this one lady was approaching the door to leave and another lady behind her. And uh, the first lady was a very regular churchgoer. And uh, with my best smile, I said, uh, hello, Joanna, not a proper name, not a real name. Hello, Joanna, how nice to see you. Oh, and I see you brought your daughter this morning. She said, no, Trevor, no, that's not my daughter. That's my sister, and she's older than me. (laughs) And I put you in my notes. I wished at that time I could cry or fly or die. And, you know, where are those sinkholes when you need one? Quickly disappear and never come back again. And um, this past week, a little bit before that, I discovered that the brother of Jesus, James, the brother of Jesus, knew about some of this. Some of what I did, but I mean some of what people sometimes do at churches or wherever they find themselves. And of course, there I was thinking I was doing something good and noble, and I got it so wrong. And James writes about it. So in our Bibles, could we please turn to James chapter 3? And James is one of those letters or books that's very hard to find. It's sort of hidden at the back. So I put my markers in. Take your time. No rush. Morning tea is only in one and a half hours' time. I know I got that wrong. James chapter 3. And please, could we all read together? Verse 2. James chapter 3 and verse 2. And James writes, We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. I read this verse a couple of times. I'd heard it before, of course, over the years, but I just could not understand why James wrote about a person who is never At fault, he said, any person who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. And I thought, I'm not too happy about that, um, because surely only Jesus is perfect. So I did to myself this sort of thing, please explain. So I went to my study Bible, and it says, it indicates, look at chapter 1, that might be just one page back in your Bible, Look at chapter 1 and verses 26 and 27, I think it was. Chapters, uh, no, that's Hebrews, very thin pages. Twenty-six. Let's read those two verses together, 26 and 27, in relation to what's said uh, in where we've come from. Those who consider, we can read together, 
those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the, by the world. And the thing, the one thing I picked up there instantly is, uh, keep a tight rein on the tongue. And then do some of these other things. And I wondered about those other things. And then, um, it explained a little further about the other things. It's where Jesus talks and he says, I was hungry and you fed me. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was in prison and you visited me and so, and so on. And I thought, ah, those probably come together then. So that, uh, in terms of trying to get to perfection, we need to do some of those things, do and say, say and do, do and then say it or do and at other times use words and um, or use words and then let it be followed by action. And if you're totally confused, here's a sample, and I like to uh, use the word sample, here's a sample of what it means in real life. Again, many years ago, I was pastor at Bundaberg West, where Erica Williams is now. Uh, you remember Erica Williams, part of this church? I was there many, many years before. And uh, a new church member arrived. He was from Sydney, and his name was Alan McCartney. And Alan worked with Teen Challenge. Heard of that? Some have. And what they do is they try and rescue people of the streets at King's Cross and so on, uh, young people especially. And Alan told me about this. He said, um, as part of Teen Challenge strategy, we go out into the street on a Friday and Saturday night, and we watch out for youngsters who maybe got caught up in drugs or too much alcohol and so on. And he said, I came upon this young man who was sitting on the edge of the pavement. And as we usually do, said Alan, I went to go and sit next to him, and I started having a conversation. Because um, what we were trained to do, he said, get them into conversation um, as lovingly as you can, and try to persuade them to come back with you to the makeshift rehab center. And from there, they will go on to another place, uh, the, the permanent rehab center of Teen Challenge. And Alan said, I talked and I talked and I talked, and he wouldn't budge. He wouldn't come back with me. And I really didn't know what to do anymore. I was an experienced person at this, but this young man didn't want to listen, didn't want to hear what I was saying. And he said, in the end, um, he felt I just live, like just leaving it alone. He said, but I said this sort of, it, it wasn't a prayer, it was a prayer thought. Lord, what do I do? Give me something. What do I do? And Alan said, I don't know where it came from, but I suddenly just said, I said, so God loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him 
will not die but have everlasting life. Alan said, I don't know what happened, but at that, the young man burst into tears and decided to come back with me to the rehab center. And you might remember that's John chapter 3, verse 16. And I can't emphasize enough that Alan said, I don't know how it works. I can't explain to you how it worked. But I quoted that scripture verse, and that was the turning point. Now, it's probably not wise to always uh, use scripture verses. There might be opportunities when one can use uh, scripture verses. And um, what is evident in the, in the book of James, as some say, the letter of James, is action speaks louder than words, but words are just as loud as actions. So one uses both helpful words, especially God's words, words. And God's words often work very well. But at other times, we might have to paraphrase and bring people to that point. So James chapter 3 is where he puts the emphasis on it. And he says, uh, coming back to the tongue again, the, uh, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. It makes grand speeches. And then he writes, in the next line, he starts with the word consider. And uh, I once heard a long spiel on the word consider, and I stopped there. Because often when one reads the Bible, consider, da 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 and you just go on and you miss something. He said, consider, hang on. Now, listen very carefully, think very carefully, read very carefully. And as I said, I heard this many, many times. But yet, in these past days, something else happened that made me stop to consider. And it has to do with the tongue, but it doesn't look like it for our purposes it has. I'm sure you've seen over and over and over in the news, in the media, Maui, in Hawaii, place burnt to the ground, lives lost, homes destroyed, motor vehicles, possessions, life will never be the same again. Why? Fire. Consider, says James, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Consider what happened in Hawaii. And, of course, living in the land of Oz, bushfires and so on. And this, there's this horrible picture of what the tongue can get up to. And uh, James says it's a world of evil among the parts of the body and can cause quite a lot of uh, devastation. It corrupts the body. And other examples, um, one's life on fire. James also gave, gives lots of other examples about what can happen. As I said, the tongue corrupts the whole body. The tongue poisons the person with toxic stuff. And uh, one probably uh, finds it best to understand when there's an example. My son-in-law some years ago, uh, Tracy's husband, my daughter here, uh, suffered food poisoning, and he landed in the hospital. And Tracy was saying to me the other, the other day, Jason says, he never, ever, ever 
wants to go through food poisoning again. The tongue can poison the body worse than food poisoning. And um, someone else said, if you use the tongue, the tongue spitefully, it can cause extreme pain. And if you've been in pain, you know what it's like. James hammers this point. Similar horrible things. So how do we deal with it? What can we do to make it better? Well, James did say already, no human being can tame the tongue. Is there a way forward? There's hope. James, James helps us. Uh, it's not in what we read this morning, but it's a verse towards the end of chapter 3. Now, he said, and I remembered, and it keeps on doing a replay in my mind because of what happened to me at church. He says, keep a tight rein on the tongue, and we ask, how? And in verse 27 of chapter 3, it says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And then there is another pointed, a pointer at this business of uh, keep a tight, keeping a tight rein on the tongue. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. And here's a better clue, wisdom. And in chapter 3, right at the end, he writes, Wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace, reap a harvest of righteousness. That's some of some of how to keep the tight rein on the tongue. We cannot fully tame our tongues, but we can learn to control it, and I think that's the clue, controlling it. Almost like we control disease or an illness, and sometimes it's said, uh, medical people say, we can't cure this, but we can help you control it. And I think... That's also a way forward. We cannot fully tame the tongue, but we can do things to control it. I had triple bypass surgery some many years ago, and um, about six months ago, I visited the cardiologist, and uh, he's a very serious Muslim man. And I said to him, you know, my daughter, sorry, Tracy, it's you again, my daughter... My daughter, Tracy, said to me once, Dad, I think you've got a bit of OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. I think in former years I would have said, ah. But this time I said, oh, why do you say that? And then she said to me, you know, you are the only one, wait in suspense. She said, you are the only one, and I was telling my cardiologist this, I've ever come across who does exactly what the doctor says. And this serious Muslim cardiologist burst out in laughter. I thought, 
He laughed his head off. And when he got his head back again, I said to him, but aren't we supposed to do what the doctor says? And um, still with a smile in his face, and I was rather serious, he says, you'll be surprised at how many people don't. They don't do it. They don't take the medication or do whatever they're supposed to do. And then they complain afterwards, it's not working. It's not under control. And I think it's probably easy. Well, it's difficult for us, but that's probably what happens to us. We'd love to control the tongue, but we don't take the advice. We don't take the medicine. And then we wonder why we said that, this and the other. I'm obviously not saying I'm perfect, but after that terrible incident at church, and I thank the Lord for giving me a brown skin because you can't see, I'm actually blushing at the moment telling it. (laughs) Because it is a struggle. But we can't tame the tongue, we can keep it under control. And the advice is available to us, I pointed at some of it, and if you can get a study Bible with cross-references, then you'll see it's true what they taught us at theological college. They say the Bible explains itself. If you can't understand what it says here, find a cross-reference, and you'll see in another verse where they explain it and elaborate and so on. So we can keep the tongue under control is the good news, And the information is available to us in the Bible and other sources. May the Lord bless the little bit of breaking open of his word, that it may bear much fruit to his honor and glory. Amen.